Welcome to Ascending Olympus, the Edge of the Crowds Olympics and Paralympics podcast. I'm your host, Jackie. And tonight, just like last week, I'm joined by Dan. So how are you tonight, Dan? I am not too bad, Jackie. I knew you missed me since we last caught up about the Olympics. Um, <laughs> it's good to be back in the chair and it's good to start to get some rhythm back after a few weeks off to be back with what is another massive week of news. I think it could only be described. How are you? It's definitely an eventful week, um, no pun intended, but it's full of events, that's for sure. <laughs> we might start, though, with the new team announcements uh, because there were three over the course of this week. The Australian team headed to Birmingham next month. Uh, the first one is Dan's favourite, and that is cycling because right after Dan talked about how they hadn't named the teams yet, they named the teams. <laughs> and what do you know? It was what, a matter of hours between I saying think, that and getting the release? I think it was the next morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty stacked team. There's a lot of debutants, um, both for the road, mountain biking and the track cycling. But then you've got a couple of third games, second games. I don't think there's any fourth games this year, but... There's enough experienced uh, competitors, especially in the track where we have, uh, you know, previous gold medalists that, hey, maybe we're a chance in some areas. Yeah, I mean, I think that <clears throat> cycling is one of those things where some of the nations that are at the Com Games are still some of the most competitive in the world, <coughs> Great Britain, <laughs> New Zealand. Um, so there's certainly no easy beats, but... This is a team that is really exciting and I'm actually really excited about the mix of talent in the road and track in the women's um, because we've got a number of track, particularly in the endurance, who are doing a fair bit of road riding these days and, and definitely up for the challenge of riding the road and the endurance. Um, the men's team that road team is, is very exciting and I expect them to bring home the gold medal in the men's um, because when you have uh, Miles Scottson as the first lead out guy, Michael Matthews, and then the fastest man on two wheels to finish it off, um, as long as you don't overplay your hands, you are going to win the race. <laughs> um, so I'm very confident in that group. And I think the men's track endurance group, the pursuit guys are going to go really well. They obviously came away from the Olympics with the bronze medal after that calamitous fall in their heat. Um, for those who remember with the broken handlebars. Um, the other rider that I'm really looking forward to seeing out there is uh, Brenna Hargrave. Um, so Brenna Hargrave is part of what is now really the one of the world's number one tandem duos um, along with Jessica Gallo and they are almost quite literally flying one of the things about tandem is you've got two sets of legs pushing around the same bike um, so it moves faster than normal and when you've got two people in the kind of rhythm that that duo is they are quite literally primed for takeoff yeah um it's an interesting team. We've obviously got some faces from the Olympics, like Connor Leahy, competing as well. So 
it's not like this is their first time at an event like this. Although I'd say that the uh, conditions in the Birmingham Velodrome are going to be different to those Tokyo conditions. The floorboards might not be quite as quick. I mean, they'll be used to it. Um, and I think that there is a lot of experience on the road in particular. Um, and in the women's track group, they're a very experienced bunch as well because while there are a lot of names that say debutante, um, a lot of those are world champions, national champions, Olympians, um, and have been around the block for a long time, even if this is their first Com Games appearance. It's definitely going to be an interesting team. There's definitely some medals that Australia should be getting from it, and there's still some of the para-athletes that I don't believe have been named yet, but we expect to see, like, Paige Greco. Um and that's just going to add to our chances of winning medals at least. But we might move to the gymnastics because it's a massive team and we don't even have uh, any athletes in the trampoline this time. So we're going to be able to send enough athletes for the team event in both the men's and women's artistic gymnastics categories. Um, the experience lies in the women's, at least with Georgia Goodwin and Emily Whitehead. They did go to the last Olympics, but they also are at their second Commonwealth Games. And in 2018, uh, Georgia won the silver for the individual all-round, as well as uh, a bronze medal on individual uneven bars. But they, together with the rest of that 2018 team, did win bronze in the team event as well. And because you don't have the likes of the United States, China, um, the Russian athletes, the Romanians, there is a chance that Australia could medal again in the team event, as well as potentially pick up more all-around medals uh, and individual event medals for the women's. In the men's, the most familiar name is Tyson Bull, who made the, um, who made the Olympic final in the high bar. Uh, it is his first comm games. But they do have Mitchell Morgans on the team who was in the team event in 2018 where the boys finished in fifth. Uh, I think that Tyson Bull is definitely going to be a leader in this team. I think that this is another great opportunity for him to pick up a medal in the high bar, but also do fairly well in the parallel bars, which is another one of his more specialized events. And then we've also got three rhythmic gymnastics competitors. So we have Ashari Gill, Lydia Aikoleva and Alexandra Kiroi Bogatareva. Um, Alexandra is the only one that has any Com Games experience, but Lydia was at the Olympics. In 2018, she was in the uh, individual events as well as the team events. So when the also women won the team bronze uh, for the all around, she's a part of that. She also won a bronze medal for the individual ball event because the Com Games does what the Olympics also should do and does individual events for the respective apparatuses rather than just throwing all of those uh, rhythmic gymnastic events that are quite different from each other into one individual all-round and that's it. I mean, I would argue that there are enough medals at the Olympics and there are too many medals at the Commonwealth Games up for grabs, especially as we're expected to bring home, what, six or 700 medals? <laughs> at this rate yes um but, but at the same time I think it's like when it the whole thing with the apparatuses is the same thing with like the sports climbing is that it's like they're different enough that they warrant their own medals on their own 
And then on top of that, there can be the individual around. That's at least my opinion. Other people obviously disagree, but like, I mean, speed climbing and bouldering are very different the same way that ball and clubs is very different in uh, rhythmic gymnastics. It's okay. You're allowed to be wrong sometimes. <laughs> well, according to the IOC, I am wrong. According <laughs> to uh, the Commonwealth Games Commission, I am correct. So it's win some, lose some. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure which of those bodies I'd rather side with. Which one is giving us um, a Games Oh, wait, both of them? Yeah, <laughs> you can't go with that one. <laughs> yeah, there's no good excuses. Uh, but we've also had the men's hockey team get announced. The women's hockey team was announced a couple of weeks ago, but the men's team, which is looking to get, I think, the eighth Commonwealth Games gold medal, it might be their seventh, it's either one or the other, uh, is a very experienced team. Uh, and a lot of faces that we saw at the Olympics like Flynn Ogilvy and Eddie Ockenden. It's just a really experienced team and that should be what gets them over the line. At the same time, Great Britain aren't rubbish at hockey. India Either were unlucky India. <laughs> to not do better than they did at the Olympics um, and they still did incredibly well. So I think that it is going to be a battle realistically between India and Australia at the Com Games this year. Well, and, and there's a fire in the Aussies' bellies after what happened at Tokyo. Um, but I think you're right. I think that with that experience and the drive that comes from a heartbreaking loss, um, they're going to be pushing to make sure that they are not in the same position again. I don't know. If you can make the gold medal match, anything can happen. That was the proof at the Olympics. But... They've got to get through the group stages and win those group stages convincingly so they don't risk ending up uh, in a semi-final against India because that's I don't think what anyone wants us to see. I think you're right. Um, and speaking of things that nobody wanted to see, um, there is some big news in world swimming, um, a lot of it in the pool, but we are going to start out of the pool tonight. Yeah, so there was a disappointing decision out of FINA this weekend, um, and that was the decision to exclude trans athletes from elite competition across all FINA sports. So that's not just uh, your conventional swimming and open water swimming. It also includes artistic swimming, water polo, uh, diving, all the rest. Um, and it's a considered to be the biggest blanket ban um, of athletes in the sport just by how far reaching it is. It is only limited to elite competition, but we are going to see the flow on effect of this into your grassroots and local competitions. And I think that the biggest evidence of that is what's happening in the United States right now, that how this is just going to roll on. Yeah. And I think for anyone who... Uh, isn't quite sure about this decision or, or wants to understand more, Kieran Perkins, um, who's the head of the Australian Sports Commission, a former swimmer himself um, and oversees both Sport Australia and the AIS in his current role, um, said that he thought it was too far and that it would be human carnage. And I think that's one of the things is that this is a decision that will stop approximately three athletes competing um, you know, there have been 71,000 Olympians 
since the IOC instituted a trans athlete policy in 2003. Two of them have been transgender. One finished dead last. One finished 37th out of 42. Um, Leah Thomas did not break any world records. Um, she won an NCAA meet in a time that wouldn't have made the US Olympic qualifying trials final. Um, this is something that has been massively overblown for people to come with an agenda. Um, and I think it's a really disappointing decision because it doesn't take into account the human impacts that it will have as a flow on. And I think it's not really an issue at elite level either. I mean, I think this is something that is massively overblown at the elite level. We're talking about quite literally a handful of athletes in a handful of sports. And realistically, they're not taking gold medals. They're not ruining women's sport. And I think if you're concerned about women's sport, worry about investment and worry about how they run and worry about broadcasting and worry about online abuse and worry about institutional sexism. This is 50 years since Title IX was instituted in the US, which was the equality of women's sports. Don't hide transphobia behind a pretend care for women's sport. Yeah, and I think that it's deeply, deeply disappointing as to how some of the athletes are reacted in regards to the decision um, and talking about the fairness in sport and how sport needs to be fair. Um, I think that they might need a little bit of a reality check, given that they are the best in the world in a lot of the sports. Uh, for instance, with the Australian athletes, you've got the likes of uh, Emma McKeon, Kaylee McEwen, Emily Seabon and Kate Campbell um, making different remarks, talking about fairness. There's what, um, 16 Olympic gold medals between the four of them or something? Exactly. Um, sport isn't fair. Sport has never been fair. You are an elite athlete because you have a genetic advantage. Um, and that's just the case. Um, if any random guy off the street tried to challenge them to a 100-meter race in swimming, they would get their asses handed to them, um, as would the average trans athlete because they are elite-level athletes. And if anyone wants to prove that, I'm happy to go up against Emma McKeon or Kayla McEwen to prove the point <laughs> because I don't mind coming in 60 meters behind them in a 100-meter race. Yeah, it's just... It's an absurd take. Um, the comparison is often drawn to Michael Phelps and the uh, genetic advantages he has because his body produces more lactic acid, I believe, than the average person. And that is just signed away as, well, that's just an uh, incredible advantage that he has. Um, th the same goes for these female athletes and male athletes. Um, you would not be as good as you are without the advantages you have. People can tell whether someone is going to be an athlete from a very, very young age. It's actually astounding how early some of these kids are put into development programs and you know that they're going to be an Olympic medalist one day. Like it's five or six. It's not when they're 10 years old. Yeah, um, I, mean, I played football with Callum Mills. Um, he was six and better than everyone else back then. He went like pick three in the draft. Um <laughs> He's one of the best players in the AFL and at six years old, we were like, that kid's going to be special. Exactly. It's just, it's one of the cases where it's like, remember where you are and where your place is. The average trans um, person is not going to be better than you um, as an elite athlete, but also 
someone that transitions very young is not going to have many genetic advantages supposedly um, by being born male and transitioning to female because hey the stuff you have to take for hormone replacement therapy drastically affects your body that's why Laurel Hubbard's allowed to compete but additionally I think that this also creates another problem for intersex athletes um, and where their place is in sport because not only do trans athletes suffer from this intersex athletes massively do athletics has sort of kind of tried to have a bit of a reckoning especially with all the cast of Semenya stuff but at the same time Fina's gonna encounter this at some point um and if this is the decision they're making right now they're not going to make a great decision regarding intersex athletes either at some point there is going to be a general reckoning about gender in sport this is not how i expect it to go um, and I know that there are discrimination lawyers lining up to take FINA to the Court of Arbitration for Sport with the right clients. So we'll wait and see what happens there. But we might jump into the pool because that news is a lot more positive, isn't it, Jackie? Yeah, so we'll start with the end of the World Para Swimming uh, Competition and Australia did pretty good in the end. We finished seventh overall, winning seven gold medals, 15 silver and nine bronze for 31 medals total. But the big exciting part is every athlete we sent went home with a medal. It is the first time any Australian Dolphins team has had this kind of a result. Can we just let that stat sink in for a second? Every single athlete who went over to compete came home with extra luggage because yeah. they were in the top three in the world, either as a team or as an individual in their event, in their classification. That is insanity. That is incredibly good. And it is a massive testament to both the investment that the Dolphins have made in the Paraswimming program and that uh, Australia has made in the Paralympic movement over the last few years in the lead up to the Brisbane 2032 bid and in the follow-on from what was a massive Tokyo 2020 Games, there was obviously the groundswell about funding for medalists um, in the Paralympics, um, which was an, an event brought to light and attention brought to light. And um, I think this is a really exciting moment for our para-athletes who proved that they are still very much the best in the world. Yeah, and I mean, if we're going to talk about someone that is the best in the world in what he does, uh, Rowan Crothers did incredibly well. Uh, we talked about his first gold medal for the uh, competition last week in the 100 free. But in the 50 free, uh, kind of sort of destroyed everyone. As far as the semi-final qualifier went, uh, he was two seconds faster than any other competitor in that 50-meter freestyle race. Like, we're talking a 50-metre freestyle race, not a 400-metre freestyle race. Yeah, it's not a very long race to be getting that kind of advantage. And Magnet Brain is um, elite and uh, it's a, a well-deserved celebration. And I'm actually really looking forward to dueling the pool now because we'll get the uh, para-athletes and the able-bodied athletes um, in the same competition, one after another after another. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, it's uh, going to be very exciting. Uh, he also additionally with that 100 meter freestyle did break, I believe the championship record with a 50.7 second swim. Um, 
So like that's some pretty good splits considering his time for the 53 was 23.51 seconds. But we will also go to uh, the competition in Budapest, which is a world swimming world championships event that does not just include swimming. This is one of those ones that has the artistic swimming, the diving, the water polo all involved into it. And Australia's doing pretty well as far as the pool is concerned. We've got two gold, four silver and a bronze so far. Uh, I think surprising no one, we've got three medals out of relays, but Elijah Whittington, which perfect name for it, uh, is our sole individual gold medalist so far in the men's 400 metre free. And that's really fitting because he talked about how hard it was for him to not achieve his goals at the Olympics and he was really disappointed with how he performed. So to be putting in a performance like that at world championship level is a good reminder of his talent. Um, and with Com Games and Jewel in the Pool coming up soon as well, he's got plenty of chance to build some momentum towards the run to Paris. Yeah, and Kaylin McEwen and Molly O'Callaghan are our lone silver medalists for the individual events. There's obviously those two relays as well. Uh, Kaylee's was in the 200-metre medley, so we've still got her big backstroke events, which are more her specialty coming up. And Molly's, I think, no surprises was the 200-metre freestyle. As we sit and record, Molly is the fastest qualifier for the 100 freestyle. Um, That final will be after recording. Um, So see how she goes. But as she goes in, she's in very much the box seat as a 17-year-old. Yeah. And our sole bronze medalist is Lani Pallister in the 1500 free. I don't think it's going to surprise anyone who the gold medalist was, one, Katie Ledecky. But Lani Pallister's bronze medal is pretty significant for a couple of reasons. One is um, it's great recognition for her work and swimming because she's become one of the premier long-distance swimmers in Australia. Uh, The other reason that it's significant is that that means that we now have a medal in every event in the World Championships in the swimming Uh, We were missing the women's 1500. We'd never won a medal in before. And we finally ticked that off the list. Yeah, and we had a third and fourth because Mosha Johnson came in in fourth. She was about eight seconds behind uh, Lani. But still, it makes it more interesting for Jewel in the Pool if they are going to have these 1500-metre races, which sure that Katie Ledecky will get all the points for it but the fact that these two could slot in and be competitive against uh, Katie Grimes who won the silver medal uh, it's gonna make that event a little less the Katie Ledecky show you'll be watching what's going on for the second and third more than anything not sure that we will see the full 1500 in Jewel in the Pool because they did talk about it being a slightly reduced program and Mm. condensed and all full of excitement and engagement and no offence to distant swimmers, but the 1500 metre freestyle is not what I think of when I think of exciting in the pool. No, I don't think that that's an unfair call. Um, But we have also been competing in the water polo. Uh, Australia is in Group C and uh, our first game, we are kind of sort of smashed Kazakhstan. Um, So, yeah, it was a 19 to 6 result. Um, So we are the top of our group with New Zealand just behind because they beat Brazil 12 to 8. But, I mean, 
19 to 6, it's going to be hard to show it up. Uh, we are playing New Zealand uh, probably overnight as far as timing is concerned uh, to on Wednesday night. So that one will have already happened by the time this episode goes out. But that's the important grudge match in uh, this group at least. Yeah, and we'll be hoping that the, uh, well, the Stingers will be hoping to push for a medal at these world championships they were really excited by the development they showed in tokyo and there's genuine hopes for a medal in paris so with a new coach now it's uh the first big meet it's a chance to test themselves and start to build some momentum towards paris exactly um and we've also been in the diving as well um and this is obviously going to be an important test for how we are expected to go so um, how we are expected to go in the Commonwealth Games because pretty much everyone that is competing at the Commonwealth Games is there at the moment. Um, we haven't seen too many big results so far. I believe competition is like the thick of it is more the end of this week and the start of next week. Um, but this is going to be like where we're going to get to see Brittany O'Brien and Esther Chin compete on the world level uh, together for the first time. Uh, and obviously you've got Melissa Wu competing, which I I hope she can pull away with a medal. Um, although, I mean, she's she's had a bad run of luck with injuries after um, SAS this last year. I have a whole thing about that show, but uh, I'm also excited to see Sam Fricker perform again. He was another athlete who wasn't as happy as he could have been with his performance at the Tokyo Olympics. Um, and this is hopefully the start of a pretty big redemption year with Com Games, obviously, later in the year as well for the TikTok star. Yeah. And, I mean, the other disappointing injury news is Shayna Jack breaking her hand in training, which has resulted in her not being able to compete the rest of this meet. Um I mean, it's just uh, one thing after another with after another for Shana Jack. It's quite disappointing that this is how this competition's ended when she seems to be in great form training-wise. Um, and with I, her premier event semifinals ahead where she had qualified fastest in the yeah. women's 100 free. It's just like, oh, I hope that you're right by Com Games, but that's a quick turnaround for a broken hand more than likely maybe hope that you're right for jewel in the pool um but she's gonna be back sooner sooner or later like it's just one thing after another i think is the issue um that bad luck is gonna have to run out eventually it is and uh hopefully it's well in time for paris because it will be a great redemption story when she gets there yes um in the not good news for Australia, but a sport that Australians don't think about very often. Um, Australia continues to prove that we are not a volleyballing nation in the Men's Volleyball Nations League. Uh, we're currently 0-5. We've won a grand total of two sets, one against Canada, which was our most recent game. So when it was 0-4, we'd only won one set. Uh, we're in a pretty tough group. We've got the likes of Canada, Japan, the Netherlands and Iran. Um, and Iran are the Asian champions from the last Asian championship. So even Japan had a tough time with them. But it's just like, oh, this is a sport that maybe we need to actually start taking seriously. I know that we can't be great at everything, but just, it's just 
it's disappointing. We've got so many tall people in this country, surely. Or we just give up and focus on basketball because there <laughs> is basketball news, Jackie. And I know it's further down the run list, but I want to do it now. Yeah, well, it is big basketball news. Um, I think if you're on social media, you probably already know about it. But uh, Lauren Jackson is coming back to the Opal squad for the Women's the, World Cup later goat. this year. Um, that isn't to say that she's going to play 100%. It just means that she's added into the squad. Um, but it's 25 years after she first joined the side. Um, and there are people that right at the edge of the crowd that weren't even born yet. I was going to say there is a shocking number of people at edge of the crowd who have not been alive longer than Laura Jackson <laughs> has been in Opal. Exactly. There um, are some people at edge of the crowd who have less, like just almost a decade less than Lauren Jackson has. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's exciting news. I I really want her to get some minutes in there. I think that what she adds um, as far as the group dynamic for the team is more valuable than what she's going to be able to do on the court. But how she's been going in, uh, sorry, how she's been going playing for the Bandits uh, in I think it might be Siebel, but it might be NBL one. Um, yeah, it's just fantastic. Like she's not getting a heap of minutes in that. She's playing less than half the game most of the time, but she's getting double doubles. <laughs> Given that we're missing Liz Cambage, and for obvious reasons, the twin the, the the twin bigs we play Ezzy and Lauren in clutch minutes. Please, please make it happen, Sandy. Please make it happen. The thing that I want to see happen, I don't know if they're going to be named for the US team, but if Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird are also playing um, in this tournament, just like even 30 seconds where all three of them are on that court together, like this is like, ah, oh, let's throw us back to 2004 Olympics. And and I hope, I so hope the Opals are in those bodysuits because they look so much better than anything else that they've ever worn. Those bodysuits are straight fire. Yeah, they look fantastic. I hope that they're easier to play in because just from my own memory, in basketball shorts are not that comfy to play in. No, <laughs> like, they're not. It's just like, it's good stuff. The Opals are looking better than what they were looking just after Tokyo. They haven't been winning a whole lot of games, but there's been closer games than what they were at the Olympics, that's for sure. And that's realistically what they need at the moment is... Games where they can learn stuff and then be firing for the World Cup. Yeah, absolutely. It's a little bit like the Matildas on that front. You want to be firing and, and on the, the up, but uh, winning is important later, not now. Yeah. Uh, and our last item on the agenda for tonight is athletics because there's been some pretty good results. I think the first one is everyone's favourite 800-metre runner, uh, Peter Bowl, is just, you know, breaking Australian records for fun um, in the Diamond League. He's breaking his own Australian records <laughs> for fun. Let's, let's be clear. This is not someone who is rewriting. All we're doing is changing the time because he owns the Australian record in this event and he's in flying form at the moment. World Champs is not far away. Com Games is not far away. And he, among a host of Australians, looks in ripping shape. The other Aussie that has been absolutely tearing up the Diamond League is Ollie Hoare, who 
uh, set an Australian record in the male uh, and the 1500. Um, and he's absolutely flying. He has the second best time of anyone in the Commonwealth this year in the 1500. Um, and we know he is a big stage performer because he's done it at the NCAA Championships. And for those who have forgotten, he is one of two Australians who are in the top 10 at the Olympic final. And he kind of like Stewie McSwain, who is hopefully on his way back from a bout of long COVID and vaccine related complications. Um, those two love to take it out fast <laughs> and it's so good to watch and it's great for the records. And hopefully the two of them are there to absolutely let it fly at comp games and at world championships. Yeah, this is one of the best-looking Australian athletics teams we've had in a long time. Um, I mean, yes, they are very good-looking. They're consistently... Okay. They're consistently <laughs> breaking their own records, at least. Like, you compare the two Jesses in the 800 and 1500-metre, um, so Jess Hall and Jess Hull, and they're just going back and forth as to who's currently the Australian record holder in their respective events. Um, and, yeah. yeah, it's just, like... Well, I don't think that there is going to be a huge haul of athletics medals coming out of the Com Games. I think that there is going to still be a better performance than we've seen for quite some time. Yeah, and look, the, the big problem is that the Jamaicans are invited to the Com Games. <laughs> and um, the Kenyans. And the Kenyans, yeah. It does kind of reduce the scope. But Rowan Browning looks in pretty good nick for early season. Liz Clay, we know, is in good nick. Nicola Oliaslagas, uh, formerly known as Nicola McDermott, has also been strong so far this season. But we also had some success closer to home. So a couple of weeks ago, we had the Oceania Championships in Mackay. And our sprinters did really well. Caleb Law, Remasters, Ella Connolly, all really tore it up with great times, great performances. Mackenzie Little set her own Australian record to win um, so there are some Aussies in ripping form um, and it's a very exciting time. Plus we might have a four by 100 relay team that is actually competitive in the women's because Mia Gross, Bree Masters, Tori Lewis, Ella Connolly are all in great shape. And then you've got Han Basic and Riley Day as well, who are both Olympians who've done on the big stage. There is, an absolute overflow of elite sprinters at the moment coming out of Australia. And they're not at the level of the Jamaicans yet, but some of them very much could get there. I mean, Bree Masters has been in athletics for about 18 months properly now. Tori Lewis is not yet 18. Um, and they're both, you know, serious contenders on the world stage already. Yeah, uh, it's definitely going to be big and exciting um those girls have a long future ahead of them um they are actually young enough that we could see them in brisbane if they stay healthy mostly um it's definitely one that we all need to watch out for <laughs> australia does have a bit of a love affair with the realists obviously in the swimming because we win them <laughs> but at the same time if we're competitive in athletics realists people will get behind that so quickly People will get behind Australians succeeding anywhere. Athletics, you know, we saw during the Olympic Games when Rowan Browning and Liz Clay and Peter Ball, I mean, Peter Ball had, 
you know, we talk about the race that stops the nation. Last year, that wasn't the World Cup. That was the men's 800 Olympic final that stopped the nation. That was, you know, the women's 200, uh, 400 freestyle in the pool. Because I remember I was working and I got up from my desk to turn the screen on and watch it. Um, and this is the, these athletes will have all of Australia behind them. And the Com Games might not be the stage where that happens just yet, because I think in Australia we treat the Com Games a little bit for granted. But yeah, because we dominate. <laughs> if we have some people in World Championships finals in two and three years' time, or two years' time when the Olympics rolls around, people will be paying attention. Yeah. And I mean, the Com Games is the midpoint of the Olympic season, typically. Obviously, this is a abnormal Olympic season because it's reduced to only being three years. But that being said, it is still a good marker for this is where they were, right? Or this is where they are right now. Where the Olympic competition was last year is where they should be in two years' time, if not even slightly better because... You know, we set really hard qualifying goals in this country. And as a result, they've got to be in the form of the Olympians of 2020, but actually 2021, if they want to go to the Olympics. And they were in great form then. And I'm confident that they can again. So I think that's a, a pretty good blockbuster episode. Yeah, that is the end of this week's episode. So, Dan, would you like to share your social media? Well, you can find me at, at Decoppel on uh, all your favourite social media sites and probably the ones you don't like too. And you can find me at Dodzy161 on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. This has been Ascending Olympus. You can find us at Ascending Ollie Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Ascending Olympus is part of the Edge of the Crowd Network. You can find us at Edge of the Crowd on as Dan puts it, all good social media websites. So your Twitters, your Facebooks, your not Tumblr, but TikTok at the very least. You should get on Tumblr. <laughs> no. But also you should check us out at www.edgeofthecrowd.com because we've recently updated our website with a brand new look. It's beautiful and it's, it's fantastic. It's very fast compared to the old website. So if you were worried about wait times in the past, you're going to love this. Uh, but thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.